0: hey everyone welcome back to another episode of the podcast uh this episode i have frank martin frank martin is the writer and creator of the polar paradox um that is now on kickstarter today so make sure you go and check that out and before you head on over there make sure that you subscribe to the channel and give us a review uh definitely help out the channel and if you want a free comic sent right to your email make sure you check out agildy.com forward slash free comic you'll get issue one of my hit horror indie series man of sin right to your email so without further ado here is the podcast enjoy a computer all right here we go um you were part of insane comics if i'm correct right like we're we're insane comics alum
1: i love i love doing things with insane comics alum i i constantly go on tyler carpenter's show and we always do like uh where are they now insane comics creators but it's it's funny yeah james is is done um for those who don't know james munch was the publisher in insane i haven't seen him do anything really comics related, but the creators still put stuff out there, still find home for their work. And I first signed with James. I don't even remember 2014, maybe it was. I was the second person to to sign my book on with them. I think Braden Cox was the first for Reclaiming Godhood. I don't remember who came first, either Braden or Kelly Vender. Put his had his books. Kelly had didn't have a finished book yet, but he was involved in some some capacity. And his first slate of releases was Reclaiming Godhood and My Modern Testament, which was which was pretty cool that to have the, the first launch of the books up there. And eventually Braden and I did a did a crossover that just came out. But it was it's interesting to see how quickly it kind of exploded and he had so many titles so fast, which I think contributed to his short term success really well, but in the end also contributed to his long term collapsed because he just he he got too big too fast
0: yeah he um i actually i messaged kelly bender uh private message on twitter when i got the offer um for insane because i didn't really know a whole lot about them yet um and i kind of was like hey you know i know you're one of the writers what do you think about it and he was like man i i love working with them and i had a I, i mean I have nothing bad, bad to say about them. I just wish they were, they were still around. They were, they were like a really, a really good small publisher for the most part.
1: I think he, he went about things all wrong. He had a, he had a shotgun approach to, to sales, which I saw firsthand when I tabled with him at C2, uh, C2E2 one, one, year. I went to his, uh, I was kind of pitching my books at his booth and it was an awesome experience to be able to do that. But he, what he wanted to do was have a wall of books, and so, if somebody comes by, they'll sit he'll ask them, "What do you like?" And they'll say could, they could say anything, and he'll be able to point to something and say, "We have that." Whether it's Western, we got Western aliens, aliens. We got giant monsters. We got giant monsters. He wanted to be able to shotgun approach every single person who came, which was which was good. But he needed to be able to to funnel the releases. So every he would do it like every month, he would just drop like six releases all at once. I'm like, this is a terrible way to do things because you're in indie. you got to have longevity. you got to be constantly in everybody's... uh, uh, Everybody has to be speaking your name every single week, you know? So instead of releasing six in a month, why don't you release one a week? I think that would be a whole lot better. But I kind of voiced my concerns in the Facebook group and everybody um, barked at me. So I guess they didn't like...
0: (laughs) my idea i didn't but i didn't like, even know i didn't even know we had a facebook group that's how out of it i was so maybe yeah. maybe my maybe my experience would have been a lot worse if i would have known what was going on i i, I will i will say you know i went to c2e2 because i'm i'm from chicago um and so I, I was local and so i i also had that same experience where it was really cool i got to sign at a booth like i was like a featured um uh you know, featured writer there. And I was, it was a really cool experience. The one thing that made no sense to me was I'm the featured guy. I was like all over social media, like hyping it up for people to come. And he like only had five of my books.
1: Yeah. That's it's kind of bizarre.
0: And I'm like, what, what is this? And luckily I'm a local, I lived in Chicago at the time and I had my own books like at my house. So I just called my brothers, like, bring my books over. Like, <laughs> I sold out in like like an hour or something. I'm like, bring bring my books, man. I want to I want to stay here longer than this. Yeah, I th-
1: I think if he there were a couple things I wish he did did differently that would have been a lot better. He also didn't handle his um, the way he closed out the company really well either. Mm-hmm. He, he kind of so the way it happened was I released my four volumes of Modern Testament and then I combined them into a trade. But kind of that was I mean, my big. Hoorah! At the end, I got a whole all my, my stories combined. It's like 160 pages. It was my baby. I was super pumped. And then I said, is everything okay? I'm about to release this because he's posting about how he was comp- dropping posts in the Facebook group all the time about how he was he was struggling and he was having problems and this and that. And I said, is everything okay? He goes, yeah, yeah. Full steam ahead, man. And then um, I have a Kickstarter to kind of promote it. It was my first Kickstarter and I wanted to go out like a big launch party for the book. And then like a week before it was about the launch, he just blast social media saying that insane comics is done i'm like i would like maybe like maybe 24 hours notice like some sort of forewarning that you were thinking about uh putting the kibosh and everything but i think in the long run it was um it was for the best at least for me because it allowed me to to really dive in the kickstarter head first and and i i was always kind of it was daunting being a publisher as opposed to just creating comics and giving it to somebody else and letting them put it out there, you know, worrying about marketing and shipping and, and putting the whole thing together. It was, it's kind of intimidating. So to be able to really dive into that head first and, and now it's not so intimidating anymore that I've been doing it for a couple of years and, and us guys like ourselves who have put together our own books. It's, it's kind of, it's empowering in a way to be able to, to have that much control over what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Once you, once you made that shift and you started, um, you started doing the the Kickstarter thing, kind of full go, and you've been doing. Uh, I can't even count. You you have like, uh, can you give me a number? How many Kickstarters you've done so far since then?
1: So my first one was in two thousand eighteen for the modern test for the modern testament trade, and then um, last year two thousand nineteen I did three, and then I did three this year. So that's seven. And Not that. And then I have four lines up for 2020, and then I have four lines up for um, 2021. So that's eight for five projects.
0: Wow, that's awesome, man! I think that I think that's really cool, man. You're taking like the initiative on all that stuff. I, I think that's just absolutely incredible. So uh, a, a couple of just like thoughts, just right off the bat, is going back to like what you said when you made that transition what was some of the, the hurdles you had to get over and that you had to learn? Uh, and if you could go back to yourself, you know, go in a time machine and go backwards, what advice would you give yourself now that you've kind of gone through that? Because it is daunting, right? It's really scary that you're not only the publisher, but the salesman, the marketer, the project manager.
1: So I'm, a, I'm kind of a technical nitwit. I have no idea how to like use programs and computer stuff. And so the, the idea of production just in and of itself was is kind of scary to me you know actually is putting the physical book together in a computer and then sending off to a printer and I'm always scared when I send it to a printer I'm like please check it to make sure it doesn't look like it's like it's stupid (laughs) so I want to make sure that everything prints properly and and so that was kind of scary to me to make sure everything was the right file size and everything was the right uh, DPI and all that stuff like that so if I had to give myself advice one of the Besides Kickstarter, the other thing that was really big for me was I took a lettering course, which was kind of a lettering and production course, and that was another thing that I kind of I don't I don't want to do Kickstarter. Everyone says if you want to save money on your books, you can letter your own books, and that was nothing. I'm like I don't want to letter. I don't want to. I don't want publish. I just want to write my books and then just be done with it. But but actually now that I've started lettering my books, now that I started putting them on Kickstarter, I control all this stuff, and I would have taken that lettering and production course a lot sooner because it's. It's really taught me how to format pages. It's really taught me how to put the finishing touches on these on, on, on the book so that it's it's really my I bookend the book, you know, I, I write the script and then when the pages come in I put my finishing touches on it lettering it and I really feel like I get to, to wrap the bow in everything and I'm confident in the, the stuff that I'm putting out now and sending over to people.
0: Man, that's that's awesome. Where did you take those uh the lettering and production course?
1: It was uh, a comics experience course. Which is, which is Andy Schmidt's uh, website, and it's a really great place because after you sign up for a course, you get access to their forums too, and you, they, they have comic pros on there, and they um, critique your scripts, and they offer advice, so it's it's really a very helpful tool, tool to kind of uh, get going and, and, and know how to navigate this crazy, insane industry we're in.
0: Yeah, for sure, and uh, it's got to be, you're the second uh, person I've had on that mentioned lettering your own stuff like how has it helped you as a writer now now that you're able to letter your own stuff
1: it's it's kind of twofold so one part whenever I send comic scripts over to people they're like you got too many words in this balloon and I'm like I know but I, I letter my own work so I just edit it when I'm lettering it like I really don't I really don't care I, that that's when I kind of chop things up make sure that they fit but it's all it's really given me a great appreciation for the for the artistic side of of how a comic actually works so it's little things that when i was writing before i lettered i didn't really put too much thought into but now that i um now that i'm actually lettering and i'm thinking about art when it comes in i'm really thinking about okay where are these words actually going to go where can the sound effect go? What color is the sound effect going to be? What font should it be? You know, is this going to be, am I going to do a connecting balloon here? Can I bump it up against the border? You know, a lot of technical things that I didn't even consider before I've have, have entered my brain and it's given me a real appreciation of the medium as a whole, you know, not just, not just from a story aspect.
0: That's awesome. That's definitely something, you know, I've been, I've been thinking about doing and um, I know, Comics experience has a class coming up, so maybe I'll maybe I'll jump on that. I don't know. We'll see. I uh, I am like you. I'm not tech savvy whatsoever. I'm surprised. I'm even even able to do this podcast. I I have no idea how this hasn't it just completely blown up in my face yet. So I'm I'm, I'm thanking my lucky stars for that. Uh, so one thing you know, uh, Frank, I I am like in awe of your like prolific amount of work. <laughs> that you're able to like put out like you you said you have eight kickstarters in the next two years like that that you're coming out like so tell me a little bit kind of how that how that work flow and that work process is for you because you're like cranking these things out man I mean comics
1: is a weird thing it's it's very deceiving because production takes so long Sometimes you have an artist that will just drag their feet and take forever. And other times you have an artist that will just bang pages out real quick. So even though I have all these projects that are kind of bottlenecking all at once and I, I'm like, I need to line them up to release. I've been working on them for, for years, you know? So it's kind of a culmination of starting different projects, at different points, and them all finishing at the same time. But it's, I don't know, man. It's just, I have this constant ticking in the back of my head that I'm like, as if I'm not working on something, I feel like I'm, being lazy you know it's kind of it's a it's a weird feeling that I have my biggest tool as a writer is probably my calendar you know because I just every day I want to work on something every I kind of I break it up by week so I'm like every week I want to get this done on this script I write a lot of prose too so I'm just like I want to get uh, x chapter done this week and as long as I check off those boxes and I get done what needs to be done it I feel like I'm being productive and I'm, I'm moving things along. Because it's very, it's very easy to lose that momentum when you stop working on something. It's it's one week turns into two weeks. And before you know it, a couple of months come by and you haven't written anything. So I'm like, if I, as long as I push myself to get something done, at least, you know, keep that momentum going. Before I know it, I have a lot of stuff that's, that needs to come out.
0: Have you have you always been like this or was there like something that happened that made you like all right I got to get on top of this like were there like you mentioned there there's points for like oh one week turns into two and then it's months was there like a big stretch in your right like early writing career that you would go without writing and then like what what made you kind of stick to this calendar or this kind of really um I, I think it's a really awesome kind of work ethic I don't know I think it's neurosis <laughs> I think I'm just a neurotic person I have to get a- <laughs>
1: I've I've always been writing. I can't remember a point when I wasn't really writing something. It's um, I would say in the early days when I was a kid, I wrote a lot of fan fiction. So I have like a folder of just a whole bunch of stories that is like Halo and Mortal Kombat and Spider Man and Man Thing and stuff like that. So and then from there, uh, I, I I was active in uh, the Machinima community. Do you know what Machinima is? No, what's that? So Machinima was, it's basically, it allowed people to take a video game and, and and film a movie in it. Like using multiplayer, we would use the camera to kind of, I would write a script and I would work with people and we would film it. It's kind of a goofy little community thing I did when I was a kid. But I, it was it was a way for us to cheaply live out our Hollywood fantasies because we write big budget action scenes in, in, in Halo and stuff. And, and I got to do that. And then, I mean, that's not really a career. I can't really... Uh, market stuff like that but I was always actively producing so at some point in time I would say the turning point was probably the birth of my son because when, when he was born I'm like you know what I want to actually make a go of this of this um this, this interest that I have in writing so that's when I first really sat down and wrote my first actual marketable novel you know and at some point in time my love of writing and my love of reading comics just collided where I wanted to Hey, I could write a comic. Why not? I could write a a regular book. And man, once you start walking that mountain, you don't realize how steep that learning curve is. It's it's not as easy as it seems, but you keep climbing and you keep learning a little bit of it at a time. And and before you know it, you uh, are neck deep in Kickstarters and and mailing things out uh, at the at the Postal Service. So, yeah, it's been it's been like just a lot of writing It's basically what it is. Just keep going.
0: How how different is prose writing compared to your script writing for comics? I know, uh, you know, I know, um, I know. I, I come from like a like an English background in, in academia, and I could, you know, a lot of my uh, a lot of my peers look down at comics. Some love them, but like some are like, oh, you know, literature's th- the greatest thing since sliced bread. And so someone who dabbles their feet into the both, what, what are your thoughts? You know, just like how different are they writing-wise?
1: You know, it's, it's weird because from a storytelling aspect, they're extremely similar. You know, uh, it's, it's just stories in general. There's so many um, threads that kind of go through it all, regardless if it's a, a play or if it's a movie or a comic or a book. So the, the basic foundations of building a great story are the same but yet the, the executions of those story are completely different so you got to think as a writer for a comics you're essentially just you're filtering your story through the artist you know the artist is the main storyteller there and you just you need to use him as basically your avatar to tell your story because the 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 artwork is what the reader's going to see and whereas in a prose or a novel you have a direct shot to the reader. You know, you everything you're putting it out there. That's what they're consuming. So it's a lot more of a, a intimate relationship between you and the reader, you and the consumer that's going to be consuming the story. So it's 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 a very different experience as far as how you're going to tell these two different stories, and the and the process of writing scripts too is is completely different because the words you're putting on the page, especially if you know the artist, if you're buddies, if you've worked together in the past, you know how each other operate you're basically writing your, your artist a letter, you know, you can put in inside jokes in there. You can, you can just say, you know what to do, buddy and stuff like that. Whereas in, when you're writing prose, you know, you're, when you put those words on the, on the page, that's, that's the show, you know, that's, <laughs> it's, that's what's going to be put out there. So you can't really mess around. You got to make sure that's polished and it's the right thing. So it's two complete different mindsets to get into and they're, they're both fun and they both have their, their, um, their gratifications for doing it.
0: Is your when you're writing those? Um, are you like an outline guy? Are you just like hit the page and go? Like what? What type of writer are you? What's your process when it comes to writing? Um, and do they? Di- and does it differ? But depending on the project you're doing, the medium.
1: Not particularly. I'm more of a plotter than a pantser. Excuse me. So, I definitely need to know where i'm going when i'm writing a story i can't just hit the page and be like let's roll baby whatever wherever it takes us i need to see know where the story is going i need to know where it ends so i i outline everything and sometimes my outlines are so rough that if somebody reads it they're gonna be like the hell is this i can't understand what this is because i'm basically just writing it for myself but i need to have it mapped out i need to have it plotted i need to know where the characters are going i need to know what happens in every chapter and it's it's not set in stone. It's a fluid thing. Sometimes if I need to change uh, a a certain location, if a thing takes place or change uh, or add some details. So it's fluid. It always changes. But for the most part, I can't really start something unless I, I know how it's going to end. And and for the most part, a lot of times, even when I'm doing comics, like if I have a three issue mini series, I might script the entire mini series before I go to an artist, you know, because there are things that might change when I get to part three that I'm like, Oh, I need to drop an Easter egg in issue one in order for this to completely make sense. And if that issue one's done, when I go to script, issue three, it, you can't, you can't do it. So I like to have that com- know what I'm doing and have it all planned out so that I'm really confident in that this is one big cohesive story rather than right before then I go to the production.
0: Yeah. I, uh, one thing that I, I've always really, really liked about uh, your work is you, you don't you, – you you play in familiar playgrounds, but then go, like, way left into, like, a new area where, like, I wouldn't have thought that's where we would have gone in, like, the best possible way. Um, so, like, um, uh, uh, what was the uh, – your last Kickstarter with the key? Uh yeah, just-
1: think mean, it sounds like the Macabre motel <laughs> Maca- yeah
0: yeah Macabre motel i'm so- I apologize for forgetting the name off the top of my head um I love reading that that one shot it was like one of the most satisfying one shots I've read in a really long time, and um what what i what I loved about it was it it really seemed. On on the like, all right, like it almost felt like you know, it was like, okay, I, I see what kind of story this is going, and then all of a sudden, it was like you hit like this weird, like in the <laughs> most beautiful way, left turn, and uh, we were like way we were no longer in Kansas anymore, man, like we were way out, out in the boonies, uh, but I mean that in the best possible way. So, like, uh, what was it like kind of writing that? And I kind of got that feeling too, uh, reading uh, um, uh, uh Polar Paradox as well like you're the the when when things kind of turned and shifted it was i've never seen anything like that before either so uh what's it kind of like kind of um you know is this are these twists planned are they are they something that you you kind of get to and then try to you know they just come to you like how how do they come about
1: so the macabre hotel was an interesting case simply because my goal in that was to just be as random as possible so 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 that's why it seemed like it just it just twisted and went in a completely weird direction but no what you say is is kind of true because and look they say that there's only six different stories you could possibly tell and just six variations of those or just endless variations of those six stories you know so every single story that could possibly be told has already been told and I kind of I embrace that in a little bit so when I approach a story I say look I'm going to I'm going to do Frank's take on X regardless what X is I mean whether it's vampires or werewolves or zombies or ghosts I mean everybody's tackled these kind of things before but I'm going to take this familiar tone this familiar setting this familiar premise and I'm going to do what I want to do with it so and at, at one point I kind of I embrace the familiar the things that we all love and know and grown up with and all those tropes and all those things that kind of give us that are familiar and comfortable. And I'm just going to do what I want with it. So, I mean, it's kind of accurate the way you're describing it, that I'm doing something that seems like it's familiar, but then it it, it just twists and goes somewhere else because I'm, I'm I'm embracing what, where it starts. And then I'm just kind of freestyling it from there. So while I'm not really thinking about twists when i go into it i could see how sometimes it kind of winds up like that
0: i i absolutely love that man there's a point i just remember um i think it was when he in uh uh, in in the motel scene where your main character like goes out for the first time and things start getting really weird by the pool um that i was like i was genuinely happy that like (laughs) i did like you know, when you're a writer and stuff, you're kind of like reading stuff and thinking about it in writer terms. And I was like, I would not have thought of that. That would have been the last thing I would have ever. And then the guy who, uh, the guy who's in his, all the rooms are really cool. Um, but it was, it was really, it was really nice and refreshing, man. And um, I, I, I think it was, you know, uh, it, it was, it was really interesting that you decided to do a one shot with that one. Was, do you ever want to come back to that world? Is that something, or was that just a plan? Like, all right, I'm going to do this. Cause it felt like a really, really nice Twilight Zone episode.
1: You know, you'll be surprised how every single interview I've done about that book. That's the question people ask. They, mm. don't, Because they they see that there's so many continuations to could go. You know, I can I can continue the main character's story. I could do another story about the motel itself with completely different characters, I could do spin-offs with each of the individual characters. You know, there's there's a lot of potential there. But going into this, I always had the mindset that this is like a Twilight Zone story. You know, that's that's how I completely approached the project. So I always had that one shot mentality in mind. Uh, I don't have anything planned for it um, to continue it. Um, it's I would never say never with anything. In fact, you know, one of the one of the tiers I like to do a lot with my Kickstarters is I always offer uh, a short story commission. And I, I always have fun with that, letting somebody kind of tell me what they want, want me to write. And, and so I usually get one or two people that usually pick it up per campaign. And in this last one, I had somebody and I, and, and I, I offered them to, to do a short story taking place in the motel, which I, which I wrote and I sent it off to them. So I got to do a little follow up, a little, little kind of spin off that involves the motel, which is, which is pretty cool. I'll ask them if, they, if they'll let me share it with people. But, but it's, it's just, it's a fun place. And the reason it's fun is because the whole premise of the motel is randomness, you know, just crazy randomness doesn't have to make sense. And as a writer, we're taught things have to make sense. You know, you can't have a character saying things that don't make sense. You can't have things that aren't uh, that aren't believable. And in th- this story, I completely embraced the opposite. You know, I wanted to do things that were completely unbelievable. I wanted people saying things that made no sense whatsoever. You know, it's so much so that when a guy offers another guy a glass of milk, he's just spouting random animals that it came from. You know, it was just it was just a lot of it was freeing as a writer to just not have those shackles of of believability and real ability and whatever.
0: <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I think the really amazing kind of I don't want to call it a trick, but the move that you did was that you 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 set it up in a way where that randomness could be explained. Like it wasn't like you're you're like watching like a a, a bad film or a reading something that's completely awful and then things are just coming out of nowhere like you or <laughs> right, like you 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 set up you set it up so the randomness made sense in the context of the world and i think that's like kudos to you as a writer like that's not like an easy thing to do um and i think that's why it works so well um if it you <laughs> did that it was by accident <laughs> well you you definitely did like you, like you're not reading it and you're you're not reading it and you're like this guy has absolutely no idea what he's doing like all of a sudden there's like you know tree cow, people
1: I was falling out of, like, falling out of the sky <laughs> yeah yeah
0: like it it, to, it made sense in the world um that you created and I love the ending too which is kind of like a, uh, a another twist in and of itself um which I thought was really cool when he when he called when you know he calls his girlfriend or, or wife back again um I thought that was really cool well, you know, I
1: have I have comics experience to thank for that because uh, I I put that script through their critique and I had people that were the original draft was had a different beginning and an end, and so the in the original draft the girlfriend wasn't even part of the story, and so that that's addition was really part of the 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 critique of people that saying they wanted a little bit more personal connections to this character which I think was, was completely the right move. I think I, it really turned things around as far as the script goes. So yeah, it just goes to show you that, that really you need another set of eyes looking at your work to kind of give you some, some pointers.
0: How, uh, how often do you, you revise your scripts? Do you, like, is it you, you send them to comics experience and have people critique it and then you revise it? Or do you revise some on your own? Like kinda, How does that kind of rewriting process work for you?
1: It really depends on the project. If I'm developing a script with an artist, uh, I'll work with them to make sure it's where they want it to be. Um, If it's a script that's on my own and I'm kind of commissioning people to take care of it, definitely I'll, I'll, I'll critique it with people. And sometimes, uh, sometimes it's a pretty good thing. And it's just a couple minor errors. Uh, Other times it's just, it's not hitting the right notes. It needs to. So the rewrites a little bit more extensive, I feel the best editors and critiquers are going to tell you things about a story that you really already know, but you don't want to admit yourself. You know, deep down, you know that this scene isn't going to work or that um, this character doesn't have the right motivation or there's too much exposition here. You know, these things, except you spent so much time writing them that you don't want to really admit that it's a problem. So once you have somebody that really points it out to you and says, look, I'm, I'm calling you on this. You need to change it. Those are really the, the best kinds of advice that you can get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I brought an editor on uh, for my newest project. It's um, the first time I've worked with, with an editor in, in this capacity. And it's, uh, it's really eye opening that you said it, said it. Cause some of the things that he'll tell me, I'm like, yeah, I think, I think I probably should do that. Yeah. Probably should have done that in the beginning. Yeah. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, want to talk just a little bit about uh uh your new uh your new project polar uh paradox because we- i i think that's a that is an awesome uh another another awesome take on something that we've seen before but never seen anything like it before so, ever
1: see this book um was inspired it kind of came to me I read National Geographic religiously and I, I saw one of the articles it was pretty much exactly what this book's about. It was about scientists that were exploring a, a, sea in Antarctica that nobody had ever been to before. And they went down there and they took pictures and a lot of the, and the pictures that they took, it was like, it was straight out of a science fiction story. You know, the way the, the, the surroundings looked, there was enemies that were uh, frozen in ice and then there were, um, Crazy crabs and sea creatures. I'm like, this is this is prime for a great science fiction tale. So from there, I kind of just went to the familiar setting of of divers going down here and kind of going on a rescue mission. And and I had to, and I I kind of threw in a great a great mystery there because when you're going into the unknown, you never know what to expect. So I wanted to have a mystery at the core of this story. And at at that point, the story kind of just wrote itself. I had a great, great artist and co-creator on the project who really uh, had a great time uh, designing all these little futuristic dive suits and submarines and stuff. And he did a great job with lighting, too, because when you're going to depths like this, there's a lot of bioluminescence as far as uh, different creatures that are lighting up the space and the lights on on the dive suits because it's so dark, you don't get natural light. So he really did a great job crafting it, and I'm I'm super proud of this book, and I I can't wait for people to take a look at it.
0: Yeah, um, you know, one of the really awesome things um, about this was the colors that I saw on it. Now, is your art- artist doing the colors as well? Yeah, he he did.
1: He he was. Um... He wasn't confident in his coloring skills. And I said, look, dude, just, just give it a shot and we'll see how it goes. And I'm like, just keep going. <laughs> it looks it looks phenomenal. Don't worry, don't really worry about it. And and he also did a connecting cover. So for it's a two arc story, or at least this is a it's a two part story. And the cover for issue one will connect to the cover for part two, which will will be out later in the year, probably in the summer. So um yeah, he did a, just really embrace the kind of idea of the story, and he's done a phenomenal job.
0: Yeah, I uh, th- there's a there's a double print spread there, right? Like I, I read that correctly on my on my Very, version. It,
1: yes. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not good. it's it's not really a spoiler. So they're in the submarine, and they go down into kind of the through an ice cave, and they come out the other side underneath the glacier into the water. And at that point, it just basically opens up, and we have a double spread of what this world really looks like. And I really let him just kind of go to town, having this, just designing it the way they want. He's got lots of inset close-ups of various creatures, and that's probably my kind of favorite big spread of the book because it really just flushes out this world, and it was really it was really awesome and cool to see.
0: Yeah, I uh, so when I was reading it, I thought it was just – it was really well done how you set it up. And just like you said, like, as I'm reading it, I could kind of feel how it was written and drawn. We're going through this cave and then everything just explodes. And it's a, you're in a completely kind of, you like a completely new world. And it felt like that. Like, and it was one of those things where I don't think, I don't think it, it could have you, you couldn't do or get that feeling from prose the way you have it. Right. Like I'm physically reading through the thing and I could, I, I see it explode and like, it you see <laughs> things and I'm like, Whoa, like we're, like I felt like I was in there. Um, I thought it was really well done. Like uh, how much of that was like you, how much of that was your artist Like, what was that kind of writing experience? Like, cause I thought, I, I thought it was just really well done, man.
1: Um, it's just going back and forth and making sure things look that the way you want them to, um, we have a page in, in part two that I'm, I'm lettering the second issue now. And we have an awesome page of, it's very similar to that where uh, they're, they're, they're in the cave and they're going and it's a double page spread. And I have them kind of traversing the, through the cave and it's winding through the double page spread. And I had no idea if he could really pull this off how I wanted to look in my head. And I'm an, I'm an absolute terrible artist. So I, wrote a, I drew like this weird blueprint with insets and and different descriptions of multiple characters. And he took that and he really, he really knocked it out of the park as far as this page is concerned. So it's, it's, it's been a great collaboration between myself and Antonio who's the the co-creator. And, and yeah, when you gotta, it's really shown me what a, a good team can do as far as when they produce a page and there's feedback back and forth, as far as how things should look. It's, it's been a blast.
0: Yeah, man, uh, I'm definitely excited. Now, what uh, you know for uh, uh, Macabre Motel, you did like those awesome keychain things, and you always have like some really cool um, uh, rewards for backers. What do you got planned for this one? Are you giving? Are you getting out like little beta fish? Like is everyone getting like a beta fish?
1: I was I was wondering what I was going to do. I was thinking about doing like uh, maybe a life preserver uh, keychain. But for, for this one, what I decided to do was I wanted to take uh, advantage of Kickstarters Make 100, which they kind of do every January. And so Antonio, when he came up with the designs for a bunch of different uh, dive suit helmets, I kind of took one of those designs and I put it as a template for a custom face mask. So um, so I'm for my Make 100, I'm offering backers 100 uh Basically, face masks and looks like a scuba diving kind of rebreather that they they wrap around their face. I had one printed up, and it kind of it looks awesome. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of my 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 tailor made uh, reward for this campaign.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Uh, I love the keychain too. By the way, man, that thing was awesome.
1: (laughs) I know. Uh, (laughs) It was weird because when when you go for Kickstarter rewards you ask people and you're kind of like where can i get keychains made up you go to the oh you know you go to the the merchandise guy and he'll he'll make something for you but this is like such a specialty item you you, you email a guy to be like i don't have motel keychains what are you talking about so i had to go to actual like motel hospitality distributor to kind of get my keychains made up it was it was pretty cool
0: that's you know those are some of the things that you know when you're first starting out in the kickstarter world like before you do it like those are the things that you have no idea that you need to have the skills to do, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Well, I guess I could uh, make keychains now."
1: Well, it's like you want to expand your horizons after you get comfortable. And so, when you first make a, a do a campaign, you're like, "I'm just worried about printing the book and shipping it out." And after you get comfortable, you're like, are oh, like, okay, we're, what can I? What else can I do? What else can I add on to kind of tailor made this campaign or make it cool or make it interesting?" So you always want to try new things to Try to to see what's going to to resonate with people. So yeah, that I've had people that said I didn't even see what the book was like. I just knew it was about a motel, and you were offering this motel keychain. So I just packed it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, and I so I offered them to the first hundred physical backers, and then I had some people backing. They were like, am I, am I too late? I'm like, yeah, you're too late. But like, well, if anybody doesn't want one, just send them to me. I'm like, it's a stupid motel keychain. Everybody loves this thing, so it's it's cool when people see that you're putting a little effort into it and you're, you're thinking about your campaign you want to you want to try to do something extra. People people like that stuff and I and I don't blame them. I would like it too.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was uh it was a perfect a perfect little uh like novelty like gift for the book right like it wouldn't make sense given a keychain for like modern testament like no one would be like people would be like well i don't understand like i don't get it but it made sense for that book um so yeah i'm i'm definitely uh interested and i can't wait to see kind of the you know the face mix thing one uh you know one question i had and you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit um Going with your your calendar and how you write, and it's it's a a theme that's been popping up a couple of times in, in some of my shows recently. Is as a writer, do you ever do you ever feel like you, there's a an imposter syndrome? Do you ever have to fight that? Are you over it? Do you do you um, any of these like weird kind of psychological battles that you have to go through as a writer, or is it just kind of like, man, if I had to stick to this, I'm good.
1: Yes. <laughs> is the answer to the question, all of all ones. of it, yes, yes. It, I mean, it's it, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I feel like it's it sucks when you when you're especially in the realm of social media when you see so many people having successes and you get hit with a lot of failures. You kind of it's it's very it's daunting, you know, and you wonder you wonder why why things don't connect with you or why things are so hard for you when it seems like it's so easy for other people. And then at the same token, it's you're, you're in a community where you're with other people who feel exactly the same way. So you you feel alone, but at the same time you feel together. And it's, I think that's why it's so strange being a creative person and putting stuff out to have these two conflicting emotions swirling around your head at the same time, you know, and you, you feel the highs and lows so many times throughout a single day. And it's, I think everybody goes through it. and, And at the end of the day. I kind of asked myself this one question and I, I pose a uh, question to myself all the time when I'm kind of feeling the imposter syndrome or questioning what I'm doing. It's, it's that if the writing gods came down from above and they said every single thing you would ever write in the history of you, if it's going to be cursed to, to be printed out and put in an attic and nobody will ever see it, would you continue to write or would you stop? And And my answer to that would be, no, I couldn't stop. I would still do it. Even if nobody would ever see what I'm ever writing, I would still be compelled to to do it. So at that point, I really have no choice, but to just keep going, you know? And, and I've asked some people that question. They're like, no, if nobody's going to read what I'm doing, what I'm going to do. And I'm like, okay, then that's, that's you. But I can't, I can't not, you know, quiet the voices in my head by, by just trying to go to sleep. You know, I have to kind of write
0: words and pound them out on the keyboard. Now, do you have, like, a like a prescribed, like, time or word allotment on that calendar? Like, you, you're like, all right, I need to get, you know, X done. But is it, like, I need to sit down and I have, like, these two hours and that's it? Or is it, like, all right, I have to get, you know, 10 pages done today. And however long that takes me, that's it's, where I'm at.
1: So, so, yeah, I do it weekly. So it's basically what I need to get done in a week. And it's it's usually based on progress. So it's not, like it's not like I need to get uh, X amount of words done. It's usually like I need to get this chapter done and that chapter based on what's happening in the book, it could be a thousand words. It could be 3000 words or whatever. So whatever that is, that's what I need to get done for that progress. And you know what? I feel weird because um, I have was um, whatever I'm, I'm writing something and I was supposed to finish a certain part of the book this week. And instead I was feeling good. So I wrote it last week. So I'm like ahead of schedule but now I'm like, I got nothing to do. I need to do something. I'm like, even though I did what I was supposed to do this week, I'm like, I feel I feel like I got ants in my pants. Like I have to write something because just because I'm ahead of schedule doesn't mean I have to stop. I can still I could go into next week and then it just it just kind of becomes a snowball effect that I'm keep ahead of schedule because someday will come where you're not going to want to write. You know, it just happens. Either you're busy or you're feeling down. And, and I feel like if you if you put that daily allotment on yourself, you're going to really get kicked in the butt because it just, it's, it's hard to do every single day. You're just not feeling it every day. And some days you're really feeling it and you're, you're cranked up. So you could just keep going. So it's, uh, yes, is the answer to,
0: uh, do you have any like, uh, like writing quirks like that you do? Like, I know for me, for whatever reason, my process is like entirely way too long and convoluted, but I've just accepted like, that's just what it is. So like for me, I have to I have to be able to, like, construct the headspace is the best way I could describe it. So, like, I have to be able to hit play in the movie in my head before I write anything down. So I have to do, like, a lot of, like, daydreaming and imagining these scenes. Then I re- get, like, my, my notepad, and then I write it out longhand. Then I go to the page and script it out. Like, it's, a, it's like, a, a super long process. I have no idea why... I've tried it every other way. That's the only way it works for me so far. Um, But like, is there any like weird quirks that you do? I know that for me, that's kind of my process and my thing. Um, And I just, I just find it interesting because we're all kind of doing the same thing, but we all approach it from different angles. And I think it's just really interesting to kind of see that it's not one size fits all.
1: Uh, I would say my biggest writing quirk is I tend to write dialogue first like I'll just go through a scene and just bang out the dialogue and then it's easier with comics. I do it with prose too, but I, so, so my wife a couple of years ago asked me what I wanted for father's day and right off the bat, I said, I want a waterproof notepad. And she said, she said, "Waterproof notepad." I was like, "I don't even know if they make this, but if they do, that's what I want." And she found one and she got it for me. And it's this cool notepad, little tiny notepad with suction cups, and it goes in the tile in the shower. And so, if I'm in the shower, I just like it has. It comes with a pencil that you stick on the wall, and I just bang out dialogue. Like I'll just do a whole scene, and then in a comic, it's easy. I'll just break it up based on panels and actions. And so, so yeah, if I see two characters talking, it's it's easy to just uh write down the conversation and then go back and, and fill in actions and panels and and all that other stuff afterwards. And th-
0: that is that is so that's so awesome to hear that you do it that way because I, I've had a, a a couple uh a couple guests on that they they dialogue after after they script like they do like the panel things without any dialogue and then go like the reverse way. And I'm neither. I have to do it like in <laughs> like I can't I can't get to like panel three if panel two I don't know what they say and so it's like it's it's interesting that you could like do it the reverse
1: well you know if it's an action heavy scene like if there's a lot of movements that I know that I need to um, designate certain panels for I'll do it that way where I'm like if it's if a guy is running and, and, and is trying to escape, I'll be like, he's running in this panel, he's jumping in this panel, he's turning a corner in this panel. And then I'll go back and if there's dialogue, I'll put it in after the fact. But if, yeah, if it's if it's a conversation that I can visualize in my head already playing out, like I'm not going to just interrupt that thought process by putting panels in there. You know, I'm just going to write down the scene, the characters are talking, let them talk and then go back and break it up later.
0: That's that's so awesome that you said that. I'm not going to interrupt them. Like, that is something, like... Uh, first off, that's very polite. But second off... Uh, uh, you know... Being a writer, I know exactly what you're saying. But, like... Someone, like, on the outside... Would be like... You're no like, no one's
1: interrupt these random thoughts that are in your head like they're having a conversation it's rude just let somebody wants to scream at them just let them scream you know especially with like an argument
0: (laughs) yeah you know what? what's so interesting is when i say you know i have to let the movie in my head kind of play out i have kind of had to hone that skill because there would be times where i would i would interrupt it and i'd grab my phone or i'd grab something to try to capture it and like i would lose everything like it would just crumble like sand and I've I've kind of I've kind of trained myself to kind of understand when when to let it go and when to like all right, now I need to capture it, if that makes any sense.
1: The biggest the biggest joke every writer has is, is when you go to bed and you have a your head hits the pillow and you have this great idea and you tell yourself, Yeah, I'll just write it down when I wake up and, <laughs> and you can, it never happens. You wake up, you're like, What the hell was that? I remember it was something but I don't know what it was. So everybody does that, which is, it's is kind of funny.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely one of those, one of those things that, uh, um, every writer has probably forgotten the best stuff they've ever would have written <laughs> and they'll never get it back.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Is there a, you know, uh, what, one thing, you know, I, I've kind of been finding out, and I, I think it's interesting lately as, um, People write at like different times um of the day. Some people do it randomly. Do you have like a certain time, place? Where 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 kinda of is your writing done?
1: Um, you know what, I've kind of embraced being a nomadic writer because my with my three kids and my, my wife's schedule and my schedule, it's just so hectic that I kind of write anywhere at any time. Like I, I don't have the luxury of just being like, okay, it's eight o'clock. Let me, <laughs> let me make my coffee and sit down on my computer and bust out some words. So I had, I don't have it anymore. Cause it, it broke cause it's, it's years old and they, they're it's just, I don't have them anymore. But my biggest tool, one of them was I had a, a, one of those flip phones with the keyboard on it. It was kind of, it was like an old Motorola World droid. And I would write books like a sentence at a time. If I was just walking somewhere, or if I was in a doctor's office, or online at CVS, you know, I would just try to, especially prose. I would, or I would just like write, uh, write a st- line of dialogue or a sentence or whatever. Any chance I had a moment to get because it was just so scarce that I didn't want to waste those moments. And, and after a while, they they add up, and before you know it, you got a book. So, so yeah, I don't really have a set plan like that and And I always know that I have that quota that I have to meet my, my my chapter, so it's just yeah just pumping them out you know I don't really no schedule yeah. I,
0: you know i'm uh my daughter's one now, and uh f- trying to find time to write every day um is a challenge like it's it's it, uh, anytime she like takes a nap i have like a look and if i don't have like a honeydew list i'll like try to like find some time but i completely understand like how um I, i've definitely been a lot more uh nomadic as as you are since becoming a parent it's definitely you gotta it, i call it i call it being a ninja like like when where's <laughs> no one gonna see me like uh, where am i uh so yeah that's you know yeah, my, that's usually when my, i do my... it
1: my wife says all the time, sometimes we're, we're out to dinner or whatever, and I'll whip out my phone. And ever since I lost that phone, I've been using my my, my Android. I just go to Google, and I, I start an email, and I just start typing out whatever I need to type out because it will just save in my drafts, and then I'll go home on my computer, and I'll automatically be there, which is, which is nice. It's kind of my cheat way of doing it. But
0: one of the things I did when
1: my, my kids were little, they're still little, but they don't, I don't, don't really do this anymore, was whenever they took a nap and they fall asleep, they wanted me to stay in the room with them and I'm like, yeah, sure. It's no problem. So I'll just lay down with my laptop and I'll just write while they, while they fall asleep. So that was my little,
0: my little, it was like
1: a chore for me to stay in the room with them. Cause I would just, that would use that to force myself to write.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, before we get out of here, Frank, where can everyone uh, find you on social media? Um, and uh, one last time you want to plug the, uh, the upcoming Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm simple, Frank the Writer. Uh Frankthewriter.com. At Frank the Writer is my social handle for, for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh The Polar Paradox is going to be live on Kickstarter from January twelfth through February second. It's a sci-fi adventure story. If you like stuff like Lost in Space or Fantastic Four, I'll definitely give it a look. And if you find me on social, I'm definitely be pushing it there while it's live. So uh you can't miss it.
0: And uh how do how do uh how can listeners get on your email list? Cause you have an awesome uh, newsletter um, that you send out. It's really insightful. So like I'm on it, I'm personally on it and I read it and I, I, I get a lot from it. So uh, where, where can people get that? I
1: appreciate that. Uh, on my new, you can sign up on my website, frankthewriter.com. I have a little tab at the top that says mailing list and yeah, you can sign up and get one of my pro stories for signing up. So uh, yeah, I send out emails I think twice every month. So it's a, it's just, I think that's the best way to kind of stay in contact with people, and let them know what you've been working on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, Frank, man, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, coming on.
1: Always, Andrew. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah.